Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Good morning. Uh, man, it is good. There we got some light. Man, no one does conflict and turmoil like Taylor Swift. Man, T-Swift. I threw out the T-Swift for all the young people in the room. Just to show I've got a little bit of hip credibility. About a month and a half ago when we were outlining some of the series and we put it out to the young people, the young people were like, oh, we've got to have some Taylor Swift bad blood. I confess to you, I'm not like, I was not at the last Taylor Swift concert. Quick, how many, I know we've got some. How many of you went to the Taylor Swift concert? Raise your hand, be proud, right there. I see you, I see you there. Anybody else? You got wet, didn't you? It was like, it was like downpour, raining, crazy. But those lyrics are legit, right? I mean, that's some... Even if you didn't, some of you are like, I've never heard this song before, but the lyrics, you're like, that's some truth right there. They're dropping truth. I got knife marks on my back from you. I was looking at that and I thought, what would a pastor's response be? The bad blood. That's sort of what happens in this passage. We're in the landing path for the book of Philippians. We've been in this for the last couple of months and we're about to land that plane on the book of Philippians this week next week and Paul starts off with a little bit of man bad blood let's talk about but here's what he says Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 he starts off with this he says therefore dear brothers and sisters Stay true to the Lord. I love you. And I long to see you. And then he calls them dear friends. He says, for you are my joy and the crown received for my work. This is, this is Paul kind of like bearing his heart. It's a pastoral response. He it's not just a a speaker to a crowd it's a it's a pastoral he says i love you i want the best for you but but there's a tension there's a conflict and 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 watch what he's gonna say he says now i appeal verse two to Judea and syntyche and these are two women in the church he says please please because you belong to the lord Settle your disagreement. This conflict, this fight, this tension, it's everybody knows about it. It's it's dividing you and it's dividing the church. And and, and now here's what's interesting. Paul, Paul doesn't take sides. He doesn't say, let me, I've heard the arguments, I know what's going on. And let me tell you who's right. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even tell us what's going on. He just says, because of Jesus, fix it. Settle it. And in other words, what, what 
Paul is saying here is pretty profound. He says, what you have in you in Jesus is bigger than the conflict that you have between you. What you have in you is bigger than what you have in conflict between you. Jesus in you is more important because you have Jesus in common. You can resolve this conflict. Now this is, this is a profound idea that, that, that Jesus is, is such an agent of transformation in our life that it supersedes everything else. I heard one person say it this way, and I think there's some truth to it. If I have Jesus in common with you, I should be more comfortable with you because we have that in common, even if we don't have politics in common. Now, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a game changer in our society. Even if we don't come from the same country, even if we don't come from the same economic strata, because we have Jesus in common, it overcomes everything else. So he pleads with them. He says, listen, settle this between you. Jesus in you is enough to make the difference. Now, that's not actually the message today. But it's a good place to start because it's where Paul started. And then Paul transitions from outer conflict around us to inner conflict. And, and maybe it's because Paul knew that as long as we struggled with inner conflict, it was going to produce outer conflict. And so Paul wants to move to this inner tension, turmoil that we experience and so here's what he, he says in verse 4. In some of the most famous verses in all of this passage, Paul is about to drop. This is good. Like if you, these are the verses you put on your refrigerator, people. If you've been waiting for them, this is it, right? If you want a t-shirt, if you want a mug, this is always, verse 4, always, always, he says, be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again. Rejoice. Some versions translate it rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again listen, your circumstances around you don't dictate what happens inside of your spirit. Your circumstances don't control your spirit. They don't control your anxiety, your worry. And Paul goes right to it. He says, listen, always be joyful. You can find a place of joy. Let me say it again. Rejoice. He's not done. He says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, the life you were meant for, the full life that God created you for, is a life that is set free from anxiety. Now, 
That doesn't mean that we never struggle with it. It means that because of Jesus, that one of the markers of a full life is that, is that we are given power over anxiety and worry in our life. And it's not just here. All through Scripture, we find these reminders about being anxious for nothing. Jesus said it this way. He says, listen, take no thought for tomorrow. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Don't live your life in the future. Paul would double down on this over and over and over again because of Jesus the full life, the picture of the full life, what it means to live fully is to live a life that is no longer captive to anxiety and worry. Now, I don't, I don't mean to say that it never comes into your life, but you are because of Jesus. You are progressively being set free from it. You have something in your life that is more powerful than worry or anxiety. Uh, researchers tell us this. They tell Tell us that clinical anxiety, diagnosed clinical anxiety, 20% of people will struggle with clinical anxiety in any given year. That's a lot. In fact, it says 46% of people will struggle with clinical anxiety at some point in their life. A lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, hundreds of you, if statistics are true, 46%, that's a whole lot, that's almost half in the room, at some point in their life, will struggle with clinical, diagnosable anxiety. But you know how many struggle with some kind of anxiety? 100%, right? 100%. And there's triggers, right? Like, like there's a phone number on your phone. Every time it comes up, you got a little gut ball, right? That's what we call it in our house, gut ball. You don't think, oh, look who's calling. You're like, oh. You're not sure whether to answer it, right? Just, it's anxious. Or the anxiety of opening up. This is a new one. This is a generationally new thing, last couple of years. Anyway, the anxiety of opening up your banking app. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, how, how, how much is left? It's, and by the way, it's never as much as we thought. <laughs> it's always less, right? Maybe it's a phobia. Some of you know I've got a slight phobia about water i had a cousin who drowned when i was young and it's just always been in the back of my head so deep water just like weirds me out and my son and i were uh, when we were in thailand we went swimming in this reef and he's like oh my god i does not have a care in the world and i'm clinging to the boat like a baby like, <laughs> dad come on i'm like you're crazy i've got four children it's fine i can lose one I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, right? Anxiety. And this is, what, this is what Paul says. Paul is saying, listen, because of, of Jesus, something has changed in you that sets you free from the control of anxiety. In fact, if you, if you notice there, it, he says something interesting. It feels like a tagline, doesn't it? Remember the Lord is coming soon. In verse 5. 
Remember the Lord is coming soon. I read that again the other day and I thought, huh. I've read over that a hundred times. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Hmm. It's almost like Paul is saying, uh, God writes the ending. You don't write the ending. You're not in control. You may think this is the ending. This isn't, this isn't the ending. God writes the ending. His ending is good. And I don't think here it's just a reminder that one day God will come back and set everything that's wrong to right. I think it's perhaps even a larger reminder that God is the one who writes endings. This is such a powerful reminder that we need it in all kinds of ways. Uh, Tammy and I, some of you know, have been on vacation for a couple of weeks. And um, one of the things, and I don't know where this came from, but the last couple of years, we've grown to enjoy road tripping. We just like road tripping. I think I got this from my dad. My dad's a, a he just loves to drive, and I got a little bit of that. And so we went to the uh, American Northwest this year and flew in, drove over the Golden Gate Bridge, up through Napa Valley, up along the coast. Got some Napa Valley love there. Um, <laughs> Be careful, <laughs> right? Up, up through the coast, beautiful. Then through the redwoods. I'd always wanted to see the redwoods. Like that was like I'm a, the red. I mean, they're magnificent. And I gotta honestly, when we travel, when we're road tripping, I I like I, I like to see I like to see natural beauty. So we like we we, we largely avoid the cities, and we just want to see like natural beauty, and we want to see the redwoods. And I like odd stuff. I have this, this book called Atlas Obscura, and it like picks odd stuff. There's a tree in the, in the redwoods you can drive through. I'm like, I gotta go see that. I wanna drive through the tree. Get a picture of me driving through the tree. So we, like, we diverted off, and we drove about a, about a thousand miles total, but we diverted off at one point and pulled into a gas station. I wanted to make sure I was on the right path. And I'm just, you know, you're, you're on vacation. You don't have a care in the world. I'm just talking to the gas I mean we're in the middle of nowhere and, and I'm talking to this gas station guy and I'm like man what do what do people around here do for work because I'm like there's nothing and he says well well we used to grow marijuana but then they legalized it you can't hardly get $300 a pound for it now I thought well that was stranger than I was hoping for all right, moving right on to the tree you can drive through down the road. Saw lots of weird stuff. Hey, but you know what? One of the things we've, we've been doing, and, and for, I, don't, I never thought we would, we started listening, you maybe heard me talk about this, we started listening to audiobooks together. And we've listened to a, a whole bunch of them, but, but we don't, we only do this when we're road tripping. And and we've tried a bunch of different stuff. Uh, we, we were listening to a book, a history book, and it was pretty good, but Tam was sleeping, so maybe it wasn't really good. And uh, we listened to one uh, by Henry Nouwen. That was pretty good. And you remember a couple years ago, we listened to one that we just, we just fell in love with. It was called Becoming Dallas Willard. It was a biography of Dallas Willard's life. So we, we revisited biography this year, and we listened to the book uh, a man named Peter about the life of the preacher Peter Marshall who became chaplain of the Senate during World War II and his fascinating book and we're listening to it and it's 
in some ways, it's like, we're on, the, and it's not, it's not a particularly touching story. I mean, they made a movie out of it, and it was, it was a great movie, I hear, but I, I was like, man, and, and, and it was, in many ways, it, there, 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 was, there was something spiritual happening as the two of us were listening. You know, we're, like, we're just like you, like we're running through the year, fighting, racing, running, you know, slaying the dragons, paying the bills, raising the family, doing all that stuff. And then you get a break and you breathe. You listen, here's what I've discovered I liked about biographies. I get someone's whole life, beginning, middle, and end, in about 12 hours. That's if you listen to the book on one and a quarter speed. Little pro tip there. Beginning, middle, end. And it was just a reminder. It's been a consistent reminder. Listen, you're in the middle of the story, Ben and Tammy. No matter what's happening, you don't know the ending. You don't write the ending. God does. And I think that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, listen, you just remember. God writes the ending, and it's good. It's really good. Hang on tight. Now, Paul wants to give you uh, a practical way to put this all into practice. And so in the very next verses, he's going to give you something you can hang on your refrigerator. In fact, a few years ago, verses uh, 6 and 7, uh, Amazon, uh, Kindle, the, uh, uh, the you know, audio book or the, the, the book reading device people, they came out and they said that Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, were the most highlighted verses. I'm like, whoa. John 3, 16. There's a lot. John 1, 1. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, Romans 8, 28. Nope. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The most highlighted passages. Not in the Bible. In any book in the world. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Wow. Let me show you why. Here's what Paul says. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Man, that just preaches all on its own, doesn't it? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Let me just take these verses, if I could, and quickly um, draw some points of application. I think Paul first would invite you to do this. Look at your worry. Look at it. 
See, we've been conditioned not to look at it. Don't think about it. It's like Voldemort. He who shall not be named. We don't talk about that in this house. Don't look at it. Don't talk about it. Here's what I'm saying. Look at your worry and name it. Name it. Call it. Narrow it down to the very thing. Listen. Mr. Anonymous and Mrs. Vague always seem bigger than they are. Name them. Until you name it one thing, it will feel like everything. So look at it. Name it. And once you've named it, you can pray about it. That's that second piece. He says, listen, don't don't worry about anything. Take everything. Name it and ask him. Pray about it. Pray about it in specific. Pray about it by name. Don't, 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 don't fall into the trap of, God, just take away my worry. I think God would say to you, well, what are you worried about? Well, I'm, I'm worried about my job. Well, what are you worried about your job about? I'm worried I might lose it. Well, why are you worried about that? You don't like it anyway. <laughs> well, I might go through my savings. Oh, you have savings. It's a miracle. I don't have savings. I got that too. Pray about it in specific Look at it, name it, pray about it. And don't just pray this vague, airy, fairy. And don't, listen, don't fall into the trap of thinking that because you worried about something, you prayed about it. That's how you lie to yourself. That's not praying. Worrying is not praying. Worrying is worrying. Praying is praying. And if you can't pray about it by name, you probably haven't prayed for it. Pray about it by name. And a good a, a good habit to do is to write it down. You know that'll tell you whether you know what to name it. Just put it in your journal and write it down. The last part of it says something that kind of throws us off, though. It says then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. This is verse seven. He will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Then you will experience God's peace. Uh, you, you will, there, there is an experience of God's peace. And I, I can tell you there have been moments in my life where I have undeniably needed, found, and felt the peace of God in my life. And there have been other times I have not. And the difference between the two is everything. But usually when I haven't is because, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, I'm too busy. I'm too busy running, strategizing, fixing there's something about experiencing like you see this verse and and you think that that like like god's gonna like like lasso you oh whoa, 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 tiger right and slow you down and you'll all of a sudden but we're running so fast we 
We, we don't pause to experience God's presence and His peace in our life. And I'm just convinced that sometimes we're so, we're so busy. We're running so fast to fix stuff. We'll never experience His peace. We're like, we're like those people the, at, the, at the road race every year. I've, I've been here, thir- this is my 31st Summer on Cape Cod, and I've never been to the road race for some obvious reasons. It's Sunday morning, people. It's Sunday morning that I don't want to run seven miles in the heat. Separate, separate subject. We're like those people that are running down. They got those, <coughs> they got those tables full of, full of uh, little water cups, and you're running by, and you grab a cup, and you throw it in your face. Oh, that felt awesome, and I'm sure it did for a minute, and then you go on, right? But that didn't... It didn't refresh you. It didn't, it didn't change the course. I mean, you, you probably, at the end of the race, you just needed to, you needed to stop. And, and we're, we're sort of like this. We're sort of like, like running, running by the table and going, oh, I got me a little bit of Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, and we're throwing it in our eye and going, I don't know why I don't feel better. I'm still thirsty. Somebody else throw another verse on me. (laughs) You say, if I slow down, I'll lose the race. Come on. Somebody from Kenya was across that line before you ever finished. (laughs) Actually, I think it's been Canada the last couple of years. How does that happen? How do Canadians win? We're We're just running so fast. Fixing, strategizing, solving, resolving. I wonder if a part of this isn't just, hey, 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 hey. Stop. Just be present with me. Tell me what's happening. Ask me for it. And then maybe wait a little while. Maybe just pause in my presence to experience God's presence and His power and His peace in your life. That's what this passage is teaching us. That's why people highlight it over and over and over again. But sometimes we're just like, throwing it like a cup of water against our face and maybe instead God's just inviting us to to pause. In fact, he finishes these next verses with a little bit of a... He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Like just, hey, hey, would you just stop and think about what is true and honorable and right? Fix your thoughts on those things. Just, Just for a moment, just think about what's true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then God of peace will be with you. So I'd like to finish by giving you a chance to practice what we've been talking about. To look at what you're worried about. 
name it. And to ask him. Tell him. And then maybe sit for a moment in that. Maybe stand in a minute when we stand to sing and worship in that place and just experience his peace. Would you bow with me as we practice what Paul has invited us to practice? And quiet in a moment just to, to look at our anxiety, our worry. Just look at it. What is it? Name it. Describe it. And then ask him. I don't know what you'll ask him. Maybe you're asking him to remove something or to heal something or to solve something or to bring something back or to take something away. But ask Father, your word is true. We begin there. It's true and we need it. So Father, we ask you for a relief. We call it by name. We ask you to take things away, to bring things back, to resolve, to heal, to deliver. And we ask you because, Father, we believe you love us and you're able. And Father, my prayer for your church this morning is that you would allow us to experience your peace. That we would stop running just long enough to be with you. To sit in the presence of your scripture and your promises to remember how much you love us and to know that you write the ending. And we trust you with it. We pray together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.